right, everyone, if you'll um, please return to your seats, we'll uh, begin our service, at least the sermon portion, which is going to be short and quick. So put your seatbelts on, stay in your seat till the ride comes to a complete stop. All right? Shabbat Shalom. So we're going to look at Jesus and the Hanukkah connection. We are coming right now into the season of Hanukkah. It's a great time to be in. This is one of the um, best kept secrets of the New Testament. Hanukkah, right? I mean, where in the New Testament is Hanukkah? Most believers are surprised to find out that Hanukkah is actually referenced in the New Testament, especially in direct relationship to Jesus. So, what is Hanukkah? Where is it in the scriptures? Why did Jesus make his way to Jerusalem in the winter to be at this celebration of Hanukkah? Was it just a coincidence that he was there? Or was he there on purpose? Let's explore the mysteries of Jesus and the Hanukkah connection. John chapter 10 is our verse. Verses 22 and 23. It states this. At the time of the feast, at the time of the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The feast of dedication. What is that? The Hebrew word for dedication is Hanukkah. That's what it's called in Hebrew, Hanukkah. It means dedication. The festival of dedication is, in fact, the festival of Hanukkah. And it all began in the days of Daniel, in his prophecy that he gave us back in Daniel chapter 8, concerning Israel going through a terrible time of persecution under a tyrannical government that hated God and his ways. And you can pick that up and Daniel chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11, you can follow that story down and all the prophecies related to that. That's the backdrop of what this celebration, this festival of Hanukkah is all about. Now, this tyrannical government banned God's ways and instead legislated their immoral and godless beliefs and values. That's what makes this so relevant. These stories are relevant because we have an ongoing drama with empires that get too big for their own britches and begin to persecute the people of God. So we can learn so much from this story today and apply it to our lives regardless of the nations that we live in. Tyrannical governments think they're God and they begin to ban the ways of God as they legislate their own ways. This is called lawlessness. This is what the Bible calls lawlessness. Not that they don't have any laws. No, the word here for lawlessness is Torah, Torahlessness. It's that they do away with the Torah as they enact their laws, their godless laws, in contradistinction to the law of God. That's the spirit of Antichrist. And Antiochus Epiphanes, who was the leader of this particular superpower that was persecuting uh, Israel, if you read the story in the book of Maccabees, you'll discover that he actually banned the ways of God, the core, central, foundational ways of God. He, he made it illegal for anyone to observe. He, he, he said, you shall not circumcise your sons. He gave four major uh, uh, enactments, if you will, 
that basically said you shall not circumcise your sons. You know, that's so important because circumcision is a sign of the covenant made with Abraham, the promise of Messiah, that we're saved by grace through faith in the promise of Messiah. He says, you're not going to do that anymore. I don't want you thinking about that anymore. He says, you shall reject and forget the dietary laws, and you're going to eat our foods, even though you consider them unclean. And you're going to reject and forget the festivals and the holy days of your God. And instead, you're going to practice mine. And you're going to reject and forget the Sabbath. He banned them from observing the Sabbath. Think about it for a moment. He goes on to say, You shall embrace pagan holy days and pagan forms of worship. In summary, the agenda of the little horn is found in Daniel chapter 8. And the historical record of the Maccabees was the, the idea that the Torah would be eliminated. The agenda was to destroy the Torah as a way of life for those who believed in the Most High God. In short, you shall reject and forget your God and His ways. They even went on to destroy the temple of God and defiled it with pagan rituals. They set up a monthly sacrifice to a false god starting on Kislev, the 25th. That corresponds to our December, our month of December. On the 25th of December is when they defiled the temple. They went around coercing people to accept their godless governmental edicts and mandates. However, because of one family that had stood up, stood up and spoke out and resisted godless power, God endowed them with what they needed to overthrow this wicked tyrant and his armies. And once Israel overthrew these godless tyrants, they cleansed the temple, and they relit the menorah, and they rededicated the temple as well as their lives to the Most High God. Then they instituted an eight-day, it was a national celebration for eight days, in thanksgiving to God for their victory and restoration. The story of Hanukkah is the story of a few overthrowing the many. And of course, it was with God's help that they were able to do this. In the second book of Maccabees, chapter 10, I want to read verses uh, 5 and 6, give us a little context of this celebration that goes for eight days. You know, the legend is, is they only had enough oil for one day to light the menorah, they had to wait for more oil to be shipped in, and there was a miracle, the miracle of Hanukkah. It lasted for eight days, and that's why we have an eight-day celebration. Gong! Okay, that's not why we have an eight-day celebration. We have it, and it's explained in this text in the Maccabees. It says, This day of the purification of the temple fell on the very day on which the temple had been profaned by foreigners, the 25th of the same month, Chislev. Verse 6, they kept eight festal days with rejoicing in, in the manner of the Feast of Shelters, or Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. Remembering how, not long before, at the time of the Feast of Shelters, they had been living in the mountains and caverns like wild beasts. That's why they chose eight days. They said, we were just in the mountains fighting just two months ago, and uh, we couldn't celebrate Sukkot. We missed our eight-day celebration. 
So we're going to have this new celebration to celebrate the victory that God has given us. And we're going to do that for eight days so that we have our time of celebration, even though it's a memorial to something different than what we had at Sukkot. And this became the eight-day celebration called Hanukkah, when they rededicated their temple and their lives to the living God. So the, the, two, the two main symbols for this holy day or this holiday is number one, it's eight days, eight days long. It's a national festival based on Sukkot, the Sukkot that they had missed due to their flight to the hills during the pagan occupation of their land. The second symbol of Hanukkah is light. Light is the second symbol. And we see that in the Hanukkah menorah. The Hanukkah menorah has eight candles that are lit, one for each day for eight days. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but suffice it to say, light is a symbol of God's presence among us. God is light. And so the light that they lit, those candelabras, it was symbolic to remind them of God's presence among this when he did the miracles to deliver them from a superpower, the few overthrown the many. This eight-branch menorah also has a servant candle. It's actually nine candles, but the servant candle just basically lights each of the eight candles every day throughout the uh, celebration. So the eight days of celebrating this festivity is in memory of what God did for them in their great deliverance. It reminded them that God is with them. Now, by the first century, Hanukkah takes on a new name. It becomes known as the Festival of Light, due in part to the tradition of its symbol, the Hanukkah. So all of a sudden, instead of calling it Hanukkah, the Jews in the first century were referring to the festival as the Festival of Lights. Festival of Light, singular or plural, you find that uh, uh, in, in uh, history books. So the Hanukkah, which had the serving candle and had eight candles lit for eight days of Hanukkah, this becomes uh, symbolic of the Festival of Light. The Jewish historian Josepha, Josephus remarks that every family had these Hanukkahs, had lamps, and they would light them during this week. In fact, there were so many candelabras lit, along with four giant ones in the temple. In the temple themselves, they made these giant ones. They climbed up ladders to light them, and they were huge, and they were just a flame, right? And the whole temple area was lit up. And then the families were in the temple, and they all brought little, little uh, uh, oil-based candles that they would light there as well. And the whole temple was lit up. And then in the, in the homes, they lit candelabras in their homes. Josephus said, you could come from miles around Jerusalem and see the whole city aglow during Hanukkah. That's how many people were lighting up everything. It was just lights everywhere. And that's why they called it the Festival of Light. So keep that in mind when you think of Hanukkah. It's also about the Festival of Light, the time that we dedicate our, ourselves to God, who dwells in heaven in unapproachable light. We dedicate ourselves to his son, who is the light of God in the world that we live in. And for his Torah, right? For his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. 
So this whole idea of light is very significant. I'm going to get down to that and talk a little bit more about that in a few moments. But there's two questions that uh, I want to kind of address, and if we have time, we'll, we'll do that. But let, let me take this one. Why did Jesus make his way to Jerusalem in the winter during this winter festival of light and dedication? Was it just a coincidence that he was there in Jerusalem during Hanukkah, or was it on purpose? Keep in mind, his ministry was based north in Israel, in the Galilee, on the other side of, of, of the Sea of Galilee. So he's way up in the northern part, the northern region of Galilee. We note in the Gospels that he travels from Capernaum, which is in Galilee. He comes down to the festivals, spends time in Jerusalem during the festivals. And then after the festivals, he goes back up to Capernaum because that's his ministry base. That's where he's doing all kinds of ministry up in Galilee. And then during the festival, he'd come down, go to the festival, and then go back up to Galilee. You know what the travel time is? On foot in the first century to come from Capernaum down to Jerusalem, an average of four to five days if you're walking eight hours a day. Eight hours a day isn't, isn't too bad, but I mean, it, it's... It, I mean, eight hours is a long time, right? But if you were doing eight hours a day, which would be an average amount of time that a person would spend walking, four to five days to get from Capernaum down to Jerusalem. Now think about this. It's in the winter. It's in the winter months, the rainy months. So if you're going to travel in the winter, it would take even longer to get down to Jerusalem. Suffice it to say, Jesus making his way to Jerusalem in the winter appears to be on purpose for some important reason. It's wintertime. There's no, there's no mosaic festivals. This is a national festival, post-mosaic. But obviously, he thought it was important to make his way down to Jerusalem. However, some scholars point out that he could have stayed in Jerusalem after the previous festival of Sukkot. He said maybe he just stayed in Jerusalem. He was already down there for Sukkot. And so he happens to be in Jerusalem during Hanukkah. It was just coincidence. Well, the problem with that is, after the festivals, he always went back to his home base. And if he's going to stay until Hanukkah, that stay would have been two more months that's a two-month stay outside of his home ministry base that he's going to stay for what? Again, Hanukkah? No matter which way you slice it, traveling four to five days or more because it's winter or staying for two months, obviously he's there on purpose. For him, Hanukkah was central and important. He wanted to be there for some reason it was important for him to be there during Hanukkah. So again, why is this festival so important to him? Why did he travel this distance in the winter? I, I take the position that he, he actually traveled. He went back and then came again. If you want to say, well, he stayed there for two months, that's still, you know, obviously very important. Was he wanting to be at the Festival of Light? because he is the light of God? 
Is he wanting to be at this festival of light because he's the light of the world? And this was when all of Israel was celebrating light, the very light of God's presence among them? Or was it due to an ancient prophecy in Isaiah concerning the great light that will come from Galilee in the north and bring salvation? So let's take a closer look at light, revelation, and the Messiah. Messiah, he is the great light of God. That's what Isaiah was saying. And light, if you will, is revelatory. When you, when you look at light, what does light do for you? If we had a, a room that was totally dark and you were in the room, you wouldn't know what was in the room because it's dark. As soon as you flip, flip on a switch and the light comes on, you would see everything in the room. Now you would know what's in the room, the layout, layout of the room. Why? Because the light illuminates and reveals what's in the darkness. So Psalm 36, 9, it says this, In thy light, the psalmist cries out to God, In thy light we see light. Doesn't make a lot of sense unless you understand light as a metaphor. In fact, the sages said this verse is talking about the Messiah, who is in fact the light of God. And they retranslate that, if you will. They don't really retranslate it. They give the meaning of this passage. And basically what they say is the passage really is saying this. In thy light, we see light. Or in other words, in your Messiah, we have revelation. In the Messiah, we are illumined and we begin to understand who you are and what your will is for our lives, your plan of salvation. In Yeshua, we have understanding about God, ourselves, and the world that we live in. Everyone else in this world walks and stumbles in the darkness of fear and confusion. I mean, look around. Look what the pandemic did, right? It is fear-based. They shut down our economies around the world. Look at all that has happened. And people are paralyzed, being whipped to and fro through mandates that are rooted in fear. But in Messiah, we have light. Messiah, we have hope. Messiah, we have a, a, a way of life that governs our happiness regardless of the times we're living in. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. In Messiah, he makes a way for us. He makes sense of all the things that we encounter. He gives us a path to walk in that's full of peace in the midst of troubled waters. This is who Jesus is. The ancient prophecy in Isaiah is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. It says, But there will be no more gloom for her who is in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, and here it is, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. This is where Jesus comes from. This is the prophecy about Jesus coming forth from Galilee of the Gentiles. Verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. The Messiah is the light of God, the revelation of God, the one who brings us hope and salvation. 
in the midst of a world that's dark and cruel, lords over us with fear and shame, a great light shall come, speaking of the Messiah, who will burst the darkness and bring us forth into the glorious light of freedom and liberty and love and compassion. This great light has now come down from Galilee to illuminate Jerusalem and all who have gathered for this great celebration in John 10 called the Festival of Hanukkah. In fact, I want to I give you a different translation. Uh, this is the living TLV, I think it's called. It says, and I, I forget what it means. It's written by a majority of Jewish believing scholars. It says, then came Hanukkah. It was winter in Jerusalem. Shocked by the Bible, right? What? Hanukkah, what? What is that all about, right? I was raised, I was, I was born in, in, into the Catholic Church and raised by Catholic parents, and, and I, I, I just value my upbringing, everything about that. Um, but we read catechism. We didn't read the Bible. We didn't study the Bible. We studied catechism. And catechism is a little bit different read, like the oral traditions of the rabbis, than the actual text of the Torah or the Bible. And I remember, you know, being raised with catechism. And then when I was old enough to really kind of study for myself, really late teenager years, wanting to kind of pursue some things on my own, as I began reading the Bible for myself, I'm like shocked over and over and over. Catechism was very different, you know? I mean, it would read something like, and then came Christmas, and it was winter in Jerusalem. Santa and the reindeer, and you know, you got all this stuff. I, I got this whole different view of what Jesus was doing and the early church than later when I picked up the Bible and read it for myself. It was shocking awe over and over and over. John 10, 22. Then came Hanukkah. It was winter in Jerusalem. Yeshua was walking in the temple around Solomon's colonnade. Amazing when you think about that. Hanukkah. And why not? Why not? John 10, 24. Then the Judean leaders surrounded him, saying, How long will you hold us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us outright. Consider the backdrop. It's Hanukkah, right? It's the season of revelation. It's the season of illumination. It's the season of looking to God for fresh ideas, to looking to God for the Mashiach even. And here's Jesus. He'd been hiding who he was for many, many months. They asked him over and over and over, are you the Messiah? And he always sent them on rabbit trails. He even healed people of, of, of diseases that had never been healed in all of Israel's history. And for the ones being healed and that were there and witnessed that, they knew right away he's the Mashiach because only the Mashiach could do those particular things. And you know what he said to them? He'd say, shh, don't tell anyone. Go your way, but don't you tell them who I am. Jesus has kept everyone in the dark concerning who he is. And now, at the Festival of Light, 
he's about to reveal himself. He's about ready to flip on the light switch. Think about that for a minute. He's going to turn on the light and reveal who he is. And there's no better time than Hanukkah. I think he made the journey because he wanted to go and reveal himself at the very time of the festival of illumination. This was his point all along. Verse 25, Yeshua answered them and said, I told you, but you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify concerning me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You know, in Messiah, we are kept. We're in his hand. And who's going to open the hand of the Messiah? And he says, in my hand is in the hand of the Father who is greater than all, and no one will snatch anyone from my Father's hand. We in Messiah are secure. We're forgiven. We have eternal life. Now, that still didn't really answer the question, did it? It's still a little bit of an end around. And they're continuing to press him. But he finally says to them, verse 30, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. I am not the Father, I'm the Son. The Father is not the Son, He's the Father. Two, right? And He's saying, I and the Father are one. In essence, we are one and the same. This claim that He's making is a claim that's much greater than the claim to be the Messiah. Claiming to be the Messiah would have been enough. It would have really rattled their cages. In fact, they already suspected that he was going to make that claim. And they're, and they're wanting him to make that claim because they're wanting to really kind of like, you know, take him on and then dismiss him. They had no idea what he was going to say. This is much stronger than I'm just the Messiah. He's making a claim of equality with God, that he and the Father are one. In essence, he's Emmanuel, God with us, speaking right now. He's saying, I am God. You have something to say about that? You know what they did? It says immediately they pick up stones intending to stone him on the spot. This is Hanukkah. This is the celebration of the festival of light. And the light of the world has shown up. And he's now disclosing himself for everyone. In the season of Revelation, he reveals, I am God. One with God, the light of God, the light of the world coming into the world that enlightens the heart of every man and every woman, every boy and every girl. I have brought the salvation of God. I have brought his redemption. I offer forgiveness in my name. This is his revelation. That's why he wanted to be at Hanukkah. That's why he wanted to be at this festival because he wanted to fulfill it like he fulfilled every other festival of Israel. It's who he is. So, in light of this, no pun intended, but in light of this, right? Should not Hanukkah be important to us? 
if, if that was so important to Yeshua and we're the followers of Yeshua, should not Hanukkah be important to all of us? Should we not be celebrating this festival that he fulfilled? Should this not be a memorial to him that he is the light of God? That he is the light of this world? This is the great connection between Jesus and Hanukkah. And this now is your great connection as followers of Jesus to the festival of light. I encourage everyone to jump into this ancient celebration for eight days and to focus on who Jesus is as the light of the world and to be a light to each other and to others around you. Like we saw in the offering a video, you know, that, that guy was a missionary for how many years, 14 years or whatever it was. And then he relocates back. He has nothing to do. He takes a job. He's a janitor in a hospital. And for him, it's like, no, I'm still doing missions. I'm just at this hospital right now. And ends up being a very important part of the healing that came to that man who was suffering with the COVID-19 virus. Yeah, he was being a light to that man who was in a dark place. We're called to be that light. Let's celebrate Hanukkah with all of our might and exalt the light of the world who fulfilled all of the types and shadows of that national holy day. So get ready. I got, Minister Don, if you'll bring me up those booklets. I got a few book, booklets here. I want to give them to new people that don't know what they're doing. You're saying, man, I'd like to do Hanukkah, but I don't really know what I'm doing. So I'm going to give you a few of these, and then I'll have a bunch next week for everyone else. I, I didn't get him out in time. I'm just going to blame Chris because he left. You know, just blame him for everything that goes wrong now that he's gone, right? It's not his fault. So anyway, I want to encourage everyone, buy a Hanukkah. I suggest you buy an electric one. Don't burn your house down. If, if, if this is new and you got kids, start with an electric one, all right? And uh, you can get those off Amazon.com. they got a bunch of them. And uh, throw some parties during the week of Hanukkah. It comes in, I think, what, 10 more days? Throw some parties. Have people over. Eat and drink, and then go through the booklet. It has some readings in it for each night. It tells you how to light the candles and what order to light the candles. It has a blessing over the candles. And uh, then you can discuss it and fellowship with one another and have a great time together as you celebrate Jesus as the light of this world. I think you'll enjoy it. So uh, we're done. Praise God. 301, right on time. I, I, you know, if you, if you have questions about that, we're going to do this again next week, and I'll have a question and answer time for you. Um, but as we move into the future, Shabbat Shalom and Happy Hanukkah.